You are listening to the podcast from Mosaic Church. Stay tuned after it for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. Yeah, so that's what we're beginning today. We're just looking at what's after all of this. Why? Because we all wonder. We all wonder. We wonder, is it true when the song says, like you millennials sing, don't you worry, don't you worry, child, heaven's got a plan for you. We, we, we wonder, is it true, like you, you Gen Xers saying, that heaven isn't too far away. It's closer to us every day. You know, it sounds kind of like a threat, but whatever. We wonder, is it true, like you boomers saying, that we're all just knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door? We all wonder. Every generation wonders. I mean, just scroll through Netflix. You go to the movie theaters back when you could go to movies and stuff like that. But uh, just look at the list of shows and movies that are all about heaven, the supernatural, the life that's to come. We all wonder. And yet at the same time that we're we're curious about it. We're also in a kind of denial of it. We want to talk uh, about it, but we don't want to talk about it because to talk about the supernatural, to talk about heaven, the life to come would also mean that we have to talk about death. And we don't want to talk about that, even though we know there's like a triple digit percentage chance that it's going to happen to us at some point. It's like the old joke about the, uh, the old men sitting around a table playing poker, three men sitting around a table playing cards, playing poker. And the question comes up, what do you want people to say about you at your funeral? And the first guy says, well, you know, at my funeral, I think I'd want people to say he was a great doctor. He helped a ton of people. He healed a bunch of people. And the second guy says, well, no, actually, I'd like to be known as a family man. I want to be known for loving my wife, loving my children. But the third guy says, well, I don't know about all that. At my funeral... I think I'd want people to say, look, he's still moving. <laughs> he's still moving. And it's kind of funny. Uh, but believe it or not, in a way, that's actually happening more and more. Because one Gallup poll done about uh, a few years ago or so, he said that uh, roughly 1 in 25 Americans, uh, that's about 13 million Americans have had a kind of near-death experience or an NDE. Now, that's not like what it means when you just barely miss the car in the intersection. No, it means that your brain activity is stopped, that your breathing ceases altogether. You're pronounced dead, but then because of modern resuscitation techniques that you're brought back and, and because you've experienced something on the other side, now you've got something to say. That's an NDE. In other words, this is about people who are still moving. And for those of us, though, who are Christian people, or maybe you've read the, the accounts of a life of Jesus of Nazareth, you know that people coming back from the dead, that's not exactly a new thing in history. Jesus, after all, raises his friend Lazarus from the dead. He raises the daughter of someone named Jairus from the dead. But what is new is the massive uptick in the reporting of these cases and the common threads of what these all show us. So in this series, starting today for the next six weeks, that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be taking a look at what the Christian scriptures have to say about the life to come through the lens of near-death experiences, the stories of so many of those who have gone there and then come back and what they say it's like. And part of the reason that I'm so excited about this, I hope you're excited about this, is because at first, 
I was skeptical about this. I was skeptical about the credibility, about the relevance of the topic. But after reading through a bunch of these reports for myself, especially after reading my friend John Burke's book, Imagine Heaven, which has more than 120 of these accounts in it, my mind was changed. And so I hope if yours hasn't changed yet, that it will. And I hope you'll just give me a little bit of chance to help you with that. So here's my question. What will happen after you draw your last breath? What'll happen then? What'll happen next? Well, Many indie ears report this incredibly. This is what we're going to be looking at for most of our time of day. Immediately, they're out of the body and into a new body. When they draw that last breath, they move out of one body into a new body. And many of them report not even being able to tell that they were in a new body, that they were dead. They don't experience fear at all. They don't experience pain at all. And that they felt more alive somehow in their new body than they ever did in their old body. And what they came back and what they said about their experience has convinced so many cardiologists, oncologists, doctors, nurses, health healthcare professionals who were there uh, and who confirmed what they had to say about even some things that happened to them during their, the time that they were pronounced dead. For example, one of them, Michael, Dr. Michael Sabum, he was a cardiologist skeptical at first of NDEs, and he himself interviewed more than 100 individuals with NDEs, and he gives this account. He said, quote, before talking to Pete and scores like him, I didn't believe there was such a thing as a near-death experience. Pete told me he had left his body during this first cardiac arrest and had watched the resuscitation. When I asked him to tell me what exactly he saw, he described the resuscitation with such detail and accuracy, I could have later used the tape to teach physicians. These people, like Pete Morton, saw details of their resuscitation they could not otherwise have seen. One patient noticed a physician who failed to wear scuffs over his white patent leather shoes during open-heart surgery. In many cases, I was able to confirm the patient's medical records and with the hospital medical staff. Now, Dr. Saban went on to publish an article about his research in something called JAMA. That's the Journal of the American Medical Association. And someone who read his article in JAMA was someone named Dr. Jeffrey Long, who, of course, was skeptical about what he read uh, until... Dr. Long had something that changed his mind. Uh, one night he was at dinner with a friend of his, a group of friends. One of his friends there was named Sheila, and Sheila reported recently having had uh, an experience where she had an allergic reaction to something she had eaten. She had gone to the hospital. She had coded. I mean, that means her heart had stopped. And so Dr. Long, with Dr. Sabum's article in the back of his head, spoke up and said, Sheila, did something happen to you while you were dead? And at first she sort of hesitated, but then she said, yes. And here's what she said, quote, I found myself at ceiling level. I could see the EKG machine I was hooked to. The EKG was flatlined. The doctors and nurses were frantically trying to bring me back to life. The scene below was a near panic situation. But in contrast to the panic below, I found a profound sense of peace. I was completely free of any pain. My consciousness drifted out of the operating room and moved to a nursing station. I immediately recognized this was a nursing station on the floor where I had been prior to my surgery. From my vantage point near the ceiling, I saw the nurses bustling about, performing their duties. After I watched the nurses a while, a tunnel opened up. I passed through the tunnel, and I became aware of a bright light at the end of it. I felt peaceful. 
After I passed through the tunnel, I found myself in this area of beautiful mystical light. In front of me were several of my beloved relatives who had previously died. It was this joyous reunion we we embraced. I found myself with the mystical being of overwhelming love and compassion. Do you want to go back? He asked. I responded, I don't know, I replied, which was just like my old indecisive self at the time. After further discussion, I knew the choice to return to my physical body was mine. It was the most difficult decision. I was in a realm of overwhelming love, and in this realm I knew I was truly home. Finally, I did return to my body, and I woke up in the ICU a day later with tubes and wires all over me. I could not talk about my profound experience. Now, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with her story, Pete Morton's story, countless other stories? Well, let me tell you what Dr. Long didn't do. Dr. Long didn't just write it off. Rather, he began to investigate Sheila's story, more stories like this. He conducted thousands of interviews, and he wrote a book about it. And here is his conclusion. He said, quote, By studying thousands of detailed accounts of NDEers, I found the evidence that led to this astonishing conclusion. NDEs provide such powerful scientific evidence that it is reasonable to accept the existence of an afterlife. So how could these patients over and over again know things that were seemingly impossible to know? Well, they all reported, again, still having a body outside their body. And do you know what? That's exactly what the Christian scriptures have claimed will happen to you for thousands of of years. 2,000 years ago, someone uh, named Paul, he was known informally as Saul of Tarsus. He was a Jewish lawyer turned Christian preacher, and he recounted while, while he was on his way to Damascus to persecute the early Christians, he himself encountered a mystical being of light and love, just like Sheila described. And Paul said that that being identified himself as Jesus of Nazareth, the son of God, who himself was resurrected, who himself had a new body. And and a few years later, after this first encounter, Paul was preaching about that moment, about meeting Jesus, this man of love and light, when he was stoned. Now, I realize I have to qualify that last sentence because I do live in Austin, Texas. Uh, No, Paul was stoned to death. And some of you are saying, Morgan, that's still me. I've still been there. No, no. He was stoned to death by having rocks thrown at him. He was executed publicly in a city called Lystra. And stones were thrown at him until the stone throwers were convinced he was dead, that he had coded. Here's an eyewitness account of that moment, Acts chapter 14. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. Now later, Paul was reflecting on something that happened to him. It's likely, I believe it's likely, this moment right here in Lystra. And Paul writes this. Look at this in 2 Corinthians. He says, I was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. And this is the kind of consistent language that NDEers report and use. They have a new body and they experience things which they have no language to describe. So here's what Paul says all of this means about our bodies. He says the first body, the body you have right now, the body that you're in, he says, 
it's perishable. It's going to go away one day. And we know this is true not only because we die, but also because we literally get uh, kind of a new body every year through cellular death and regeneration, replenishment. We shed so much skin. And isn't that a lovely thought to think about while we're all in quarantine together right now? But we shed so much skin, we get a new body all the time of sorts. Talk about perishable. But the second body, well, that body lasts for forever. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15, what is sown is perishable. When your body dies, it's perishable. What is raised, the new body, is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So what does this show us about the afterlife, the life to come? Well, it's what indie ears report. We get a new body. But second, it also shows us this, that no one who ever goes and comes back says that the afterlife is boring. Is it, you know, so, so many of us, we think that the life to come is sort of like this old far side cartoon. Maybe you've seen this, like, it's like a man on a cloud saying, and wish I'd brought a magazine. Kind of like, you know, we're bored for forever or something. No, listen, no one who ever goes to that place that indie ears describe as the place of light and love, none of them ever want to come back. You know, this has kind of happened in small ways here. Uh, uh, Carrie and I, we've had moments together. Maybe you've had moments with loved ones, friends, family. Uh, we've had this with our kids, some moment where we never want it to end. We don't want it to go away. We want to stay in that place, in that moment for forever. Why? Because something so meaningful, something even so transformative is happening. We never want it to end. We never want to leave. And do you know that's exactly what the people who go to that place of light and love describe. That's what the life to come is like. That's what life is like in that new body. Don Piper uh, was pronounced dead at the scene for 90 minutes after an 18-wheeler ran over the top of his car. One of his arms was severed. One of his legs was severed. The EMS people put a plastic sheet over his body because he was gone, and yet he came back, and he said this about the moment he slipped into eternity. He says, as I looked around, I could hardly grasp the vivid, dazzling colors. Every hue surpassed everything I had ever seen. With all the heightened awareness of my senses, I felt I had never seen, felt or heard anything so real before. Now, now imagine with me that moment, not the moment you, you get run over by a car, but the, the moment, maybe the moment you've been afraid of, where you slip into eternity, the moment that you take your last breath. What comes next? Imagine that what happens is what Don Piper and countless others have described, that it is the very best moment that's ever happened to you. Imagine now your senses come alive. Your faculties aren't just restored. They go into overdrive times 10, 100, 1,000. You begin to experience things of beauty and wonder you didn't even know were possible. Do you know? That's exactly what blind people also report back from their NDEs. People, people who have been blind from birth, they come back and now report seeing the same things that those with vision had reported. The same things. Vicky, for example, who had been blind from birth, she flatlined in a terrible car accident. Vicky said she could see now 
And it was a challenge at first to adjust, but she was out of her body, uh, but still in a body. She was up over her old body in the hospital room, but she finally recognized herself because of her wedding ring and had a unique design of orange blossoms. She recognized herself because of her long hair down to her waist. And she said this, and I thought, is this my body down there? Am I dead or what? And they were frantically trying to work on this thing that I discovered was my body. And I felt very detached from it. And I thought, I'm out of here. I can't get these people to listen to me. As soon as I thought that, I went up out of the ceiling as if it were nothing. And it was wonderful to be out of there and be free and not have to worry about bumping into anything. And I knew where I was going. I heard the sound of wind chimes. And she said she went up through this enclosure and she described like a tube that's very common. Then she described this uh, incredible music that turned into praise to God and she found herself in an opening and a clearing with grass and, and people and trees and beauty and everything surrounding her had this incredible light coming out of it. Listen to how she describes the light in this place. She said, quote, you could feel as well as see Everybody there was made of light, and I was made of light, and the light was made of love. It was like love was everywhere. It was like love came from the grass, love came from the birds, love came from the trees. It was incredible, and I was overwhelmed because I couldn't imagine what light was like. I'm still very emotional when I talk about this. Now, where would blind people get the idea that light comes out of things. Well, certainly not in this life, because in this life, light doesn't come out of anything organic except for like the, the odd bug there, or the odd weird fish at the bottom of the sea. But did you know that's exactly what the Christian scriptures say will happen to your body in the new body, that light will come out of it. In the book of Revelation, someone named John is describing the light that is to come. And he has a vision and he says this, he says, and the city a one day city will live in, has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the lamb. By its light will the nations walk. Not in its light, is it saying, but by its light, as in the light is coming out of everything. Look, look in Daniel chapter 12. Daniel says, and many of those, talking about the future, who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. See, people like Vicky, many others, saw themselves shine. Now, right here, right now, you may be, you may be thinking, feeling like, like someone named Dr. Eben Alexander uh, felt when he heard this, when he was encountering this kind of stuff. He believed that when your brain stopped functioning, that was it. And when you died, there was nothing else, nothing beyond this. And then his brain crashed. His brain stopped. He had an NDE, and this is what he described. Look at this, quote, In the worlds above this one, time simply doesn't behave like it does here. A moment can seem like a lifetime, and several lifetimes can seem like a moment. Now, I don't think Dr. Alexander likely had the, the, the Bible in mind here, but what he's describing is exactly what someone named Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, described as what time is like with God. Look at this, First Peter, it says, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. 
Now, listen, if this time travel stuff, light coming out of you stuff is kind of freaky, it's, it's man, making you nervous or scared, don't, don't worry. Don't be afraid because do you know, do you know what the one thing above all else that people say they felt will be like, what they said they'll feel, what they felt in the place of love and light in the place in life to come. They say this, they say, it was like I was home. It was like I was home. They say over and over, they didn't want to come back because they were in a place of total, perfect love. And of course, this makes sense, doesn't it? Because Jesus says the most important thing we can do in this life is to love God, is to love our neighbor. One of the reasons Jesus came was to show us who God the Father was, what heaven is like. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. He came to show us what God is like, what heaven is like. And here's what he said he wants. He says for us, he said, I want you to love God and to love your neighbor. I want you to bring what heaven is like to earth now. And so if that's true, and it is, if that's the point of earth, to love God, love our neighbor, why would God rip apart relationships of love in heaven? Of course he doesn't and he won't. And we'll look at that at length next week at what relationships are like in heaven. It's incredible. And I hope what we see next week will transform maybe even your relationships here and now. But let's pause. Let's pause just for a moment here because at this point you're, you're probably feeling something else that's, that's right to feel. It's a little bit dangerous to build your whole view, my whole view of a life that's to come on the stories and experiences of a few people here. But fortunately, and this is the point, uh, part of what we're doing, what we'll be looking at throughout this series is that the Christian scriptures actually give us a fuller picture, uh, a total picture of possible experiences in the life to come. And what we're going to see is also that not all of them are good, as some NDEs also report. But for today, for today, yeah, finally, I want to take a look at two final things that are interconnected, that are so powerful, two things that are interconnected. And these are things that people from all faiths, all backgrounds, all ethnicities, languages, people all over the world also describe experiencing. They describe experiencing the being of light and the life review, the being of light and the life review. People young and old describe meeting a being of of light. If they know God, they, they, they name him as God. If they don't know God, they still describe this being the same way as those who do. Someone named by uh, the name of Dr. George Ritchie. He was a psychiatrist at the University of Virginia. Dr. Ritchie died of pneumonia. Still has a death certificate to prove it, which he pulls out whenever he talks about his NDE. But he didn't realize he was dead at first when looking down at his old body from his new body when he said, that a light came into the room. Here's how he describes it. He said, it was impossibly bright. It was like a million welder's lamps. I thought, I'm glad I don't have physical eyes at this moment. This light would destroy my retina in a tenth of a second. Now I corrected myself, not the light. He, he would be too bright to look at. For now I saw it was not a light, but a man who entered the room. Rather, a man made out of light. 
And he recognized him as Jesus, as someone he had heard about in Sunday school as a kid, but never really believed in. And he always thought of uh, as sort of a weakling and passive, not someone certainly worthy of, of command or, or respect. But now he saw this being as power itself, he said, fused together with love. Dr. Richie called it an astounding love who did something in that moment. Look at what he said happened. He said, a love beyond my wildest imagining, a love that knew every unlovable thing about me. The quarrels with my stepmother, my explosive temper, the sex thoughts I could never control, every mean, selfish thought and action I had since the day I was born and accepted and loved me just the same. When I say he knew everything about me, that was simply an observable fact. For into that room, along with his radiant presence, simultaneously also entered every single episode of my entire life. Everything that had ever happened to me was simply there in full view, all seemingly taking place at that moment. How this was possible, I did not know. Transfixed, I stared at myself at the blackboard in third grade, receiving my eagle badge, wheeling Papa Dabney onto the veranda. Thousands of scenes all illuminated in that searing light in an existence where time seemed to have ceased. And what's amazing is how consistently people talk about this, about receiving a review of their life in the presence of a being of unconditional love. Oh, but why shouldn't we expect this? Because don't the, don't the Christian scriptures say that God is love? They do. They say God is love. And by the way, if you're a person who, who believes this about religion or faith, that this is your view of the supernatural, you should know that that idea came from Jesus, from the Christian faith who said that God is love. He loves every person so much. He loves you so much, every person on the planet so much that he willingly entered into our world, into our suffering, our world to die, to redeem us so that we could one day experience that place of love and light and his presence for forever. Now, you may be saying, well, is the Christian life only about getting to the life to come, only about leaving here and going there? No, 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 not at all. And I hope you'll see throughout this series and all that we do here at Mosaic that we are supposed to allow the life to come to transform how we live our life right now. Look at how Jesus, the words of Jesus, look at how Jesus connects our life now and the life to come and how he says the life review that's to come ought to shape our life right now. Look at Matthew chapter 10. He says, there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed. There is nothing that is hidden that will not be made known. <laughs> now who talks like that? Who says stuff like that? Only someone who is absolutely sure of what comes next. Only someone who came from there to hear, to say how we live now matters and that one day we will receive a review of our life. We'll be called to account. And again, the Apostle Paul reflects on the life review and he says this, look at this in 1 Corinthians. He says, therefore, because of this judge nothing before the appointed time, wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. Now we'll have a week where we focus on this exclusively. But for today, let me just say this. What these people say is what Jesus said will happen. You will be called 
to account. You will receive a life review because there is a God who knows everything about you. But there is at the same time a God of unconditional love who wants to breathe into your soul right now, even today, wherever you are. A taste now of what you can have then. Cheering, clapping, thunderous applause from and of heaven. God, this is showing us, wants to reward us. He wants to praise us. There is a moment that is possible for us, a moment where we can experience the personal, unfiltered praise and adoration and love of our heavenly Father, the God who made us. And it can begin now. It can begin now. God wants you to hear these words today. The same words Jesus got at his baptism, that you are my beloved child. In you, I am well pleased. Listen, if, if you don't know me, if you don't know Morgan, I, I'm like this kind of hack musician. I love to play guitar and piano. I, lo I love music. And uh, a number of years ago, I got this like almost throwaway compliment from this super famous artist and musician. If I said his name, you, you probably know him. He sold millions of albums, gotten Grammy Awards, Dove Awards, and he, he sort of complimented me on my guitar playing. And hey, let me tell you what this means. This means that no matter what you say, Pastor Nathan says, Seth Perez, any of our folks on our music team at Mosaic or anywhere else, it doesn't matter what they say because he said it. It must be true of me. The praise of the praiseworthy is above all reward. Now imagine, if not just a finite being said something to you like this, but imagine the God who sees all says this to you. Imagine how it would flood your soul with love. I've been to concerts, maybe you have too, where the sound from the stage is so loud, it drowns out what even the people who are right next to you are trying to whisper or scream into your ear. What the life to come means then, what that moment shows us, is that God Almighty, through his son, Jesus Christ, what he wants is that the sound of his heavenly praise, the sound of that stage to overwhelm and to drown out every other voice in your ear right now, every other sound you may be hearing right now. He wants to fill your soul with his song. Let me tell you, when you get that, that's how you push back discouragement. That's how we overcome despair. That's how we resist and overcome, say no to temptation. That's what he wants to give you. That's what he wants to do for you. Oh, and I hope that you'll be here every single week in this series to hear more and more about that every week. So as we begin to close, as I begin to close, let me try to apply that thought, what you just heard, to three different types of people quickly. Number one, let me tell you, today, if you're struggling with dark thoughts, uh, discouragement about the purposelessness or meaninglessness of life. Dark thoughts, let me tell you, don't let that be you. It doesn't have to be you. God has you here for a reason. He has you here for a purpose. So many of these people who go and then they come back, they say that God sent them back because he said they still had a reason to be here. They still had meaning in life. There was still something for them to do and to accomplish. And that's the same for you and for me today. If we're still here, it's because God God has something for us to do and to be together. Oh, let me tell you, there is no one who loves you more. And one day you will be shown all the ways that you have made a difference, even when you didn't know it. Second, if you're struggling with feeling alone today, what this should show you is that you're really not. This should show you that truly God is with you. God is always there. There is no one who loves you more. And third, if you're fearing death today, 
If you're fearing the end of life, perhaps through age or disease or accident or trauma somehow, I hope you'll see that for those who know Jesus, there is nothing to fear. There is no one who loves you more. And I hope you come back again next week and you hear all about how relation, our relationships are transformed there, what they're like in heaven. And I can't wait to talk about that with you next week. I'm going to take a moment here and pray for those groups of people. And for you, then Pastor Corey is going to come up and begin to transition us. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And I'm praying for every person who's listening and watching and hearing this today, right now. That for those who are struggling with dark thoughts about uh, purpose and life and their place here, Lord, that those all, those dark thoughts will be simply blown away uh, by the sound of your stage, the sound of your praise, uh, that these would hear that we are, that they are your beloved child. In, in them, you are with them, you are well pleased. And second, I pray for those who may be discouraged today, fearing death today, struggling with feeling alone today, Lord, that all of that would also be blown away, be moved away as they consider these truths, as they reflect on what they've heard, as the truth of what you said the life to come will be like, that there's no one who loves us more. I pray we would experience this so deeply it changes and shapes the way we live today. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.